Laverne and Shirley won't be seen tonight, so we can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about planes, trains, and automobiles. Not the movie, the actual modes of transportation. Yes. We're taking kind of a right turn here in the podcast. Going into a deep, deep history dive on all three and how the invention of each changed society in good ways and in bad. On to the actual movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Nice. Uh, Take yourself back to 1987. Uh, February 11th, British Airways is privatized and listed on the London Stock Exchange. Ooh. Yeah, it was uh, nationalized before that, which now none of their stuff is nationalized, and that's why England sucks. Okay. Yep. April 19th, The Simpsons cartoon first appears as a series of shorts on The Tracy Ullman Show. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I, yeah. I like Tracy Ullman. Um, her characters get fine. a little, like, yeah. tiresome. And uh, there's a lot of them that she did that probably yeah. wouldn't fly today. A lot of yeah. uh, cultural appropriation, if you will. But I watched that show all the time because of The Simpsons. I yeah. loved it. I was yeah. a big Matt Groening fan from... Uh, Life, Life in Hell. Hell. Life in Hell, yeah. And uh, and Baby. Oh, it was worth watching the show just for the simps. And then when they finally right. gave them their own show, my friends and I were just over the moon, baby. It, it, I, I mostly put this in because I wanted to show just how long ago this was and the fact that the Simpsons are still on the air. Yeah. The Simpsons still. are – they're becoming middle – the show is becoming middle-aged. Yeah. Yeah. It's in its 100%. 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. November 12th, 1987, the first Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant in mainland China opens in Beijing near Tiananmen Square. Yeah. Directly leading to the Tiananmen Square Massacre. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Colonel Sanders. I shouldn't say directly, but eventually leading to the Tiananmen Square Massacre. Let's yeah. make a movie about how Kentucky Fried Chicken almost destroyed China. <laughs> November 25th. Is it still there? No. No, okay. no, 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 no. Are there any Western... I don't know a yes. lot about China. Yeah, there's there's McDonald's and stuff. But why not KFC? I don't Did I they mean, get banned because I, of... Almost every KFC I know of is closed, <laughs> so it's, I'm guessing it's more about KFC you than You minored in college, if I recall, in fast food vis-a-vis... Fast like, food enterprise with a, yes. a focus on Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yes. Yes, with, yes, yes I did. Your, your focus was on how Kentucky Fried Chicken uh, and I'm telling destabilized you, I'm telling you, it's countries. a Kentucky Fried Chicken problem. Nice. Companies not run well. I'm an expert. Yeah, you I are. I know. He's a doctorate <laughs> in chicken. Well, no. No, let's not go that far, man. Well, I only, yeah. had, only had six years of training. You skipped eight. <laughs> You're three credits shy of your doctorate. Your yeah, PhD. I left. I left because I had to go to China to find the last Kentucky Fried exactly. Chicken. Exactly. November 25th, one day before Thanksgiving, planes, trains, and automobiles opens. It opened. Uh, it was only number three. Uh, it was not a, It didn't really do terribly well in the box office. Well, it was... A stretch for Hughes. He was mostly doing teen yeah, stuff. Yeah, and we'll talk about that because, yeah, it was a big deal for him. Uh, Steve Martin, big star, but a lot of hits or misses. Yep. Same yep. with John Candy at the true, time. True. Things were different back then. It was a different time in the 80s. It was a weird time, yeah. A lot and, of sequels. And nobody had really done a Thanksgiving movie by this no. point. So, like, it, people did Christmas movies. They did Valentine's Day movies. They did, you know, but, like, nobody really did a Thanksgiving movie. And no, and this is our second John Hughes yeah. film for the yeah. Thanksgiving Yes. Uh, month and uh yeah this i mean there are other definitely other thanksgiving movies most of them are dramas or dramedies yeah of people uh, bringing people home for thanksgiving yes. and it going or, awry or was it harlan county no orange uh, osage county where they're just all there arguing constantly yes yes <laughs> if i wanted that <laughs> i would just I would go. go to your family's home <laughs> for christmas no uh <laughs> i'm just kidding your family's lovely but uh 
Yeah, I mean, there weren't a lot of comedy. It's it's crazy though because yeah, Thanksgiving yeah. is kind of number two. I mean, people say Easter. Oh yeah, but yeah. Thanksgiving for families is kind of number two. Or back then, it was number one. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it is that it's it's a non secular holiday. So right. Or, or a secular holiday, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Secular holiday, yes. that's what I'm trying to say. It's a non-religious holiday. So, like, I don't know if if our wonderful Christian nation can really put the emphasis on Thanksgiving. Right. You know? And well, and now, too, as we know it, it's kind of, it was the uh, the opening gambit to destroying Native American culture. And, <laughs> it's true. And, it's and very true. So. Uh, but anyway, so, I love stuffing. Yeah. Uh, the Thanksgiving meal is great. Uh, I love I love cooking it. Uh, but it is the greatest Thanksgiving movie. Let's just say Yes, that. 100%. And one of the best road movies. I put it up there. I mean, the very different movies. Yeah. But with Midnight Run is just a great It's a good pairing road of, trip movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you it, got the it, annoying guy yeah. and you got the straight man. It really cemented the duo comedy. Like, yeah, let's yeah. let's do this. You know, which, I mean, it had been done before. The Odd Couple and all that. But, like, this was the first time it was like yeah. a road trip thing. And, and this wasn't. As joyous as John Hughes' other movies. It there was, was a dark. definite oh, darkness yeah. and a yeah. definite edge. Steve Martin, it's one of his most unlikable characters, if you really look at yeah, it. Yeah, he's he's really kind of a dick. Yeah, he's a snob. He's erudite. I mean, he, he learns yeah. and he and he has a great character arc. And and so does John Candy's character. Sure. But like but yeah, he's not likable. <laughs> no. This was the brainchild of John Hughes. And this really comes down. I mean, obviously this is our second movie this week, or this yeah. week, this month we're covering with John Hughes. There's gonna be a lot of John Hughes. He was yeah. he was the one of the seminal voices of the Gen X generation, yeah. especially in comedies. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Useful comedy. Up to this point, most of his comedies had been a string of efforts about teenage life set in or around high school, like the Breakfast Club, Weird Science. In Chicago, pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, some kind of wonderful like these were all uh, more high school based things, and he had this desire to not be labeled as the the high school kid director. Too late, buddy. Don't make yes. twenty seven films about being in high school, and you won't be labeled a high school filmmaker. Hundred percent. And you know what? You're good at it. Yeah. I hate when people do that. Yeah. I, I yeah, get yeah. Not wanting to be pigeonholed, yeah. but if you're good at something, you know, not a lot of people get to do this. No, you could have been doing them for the rest of your life. And definitely stretch. Hey, man. And maybe know, it but... could be at this point that maybe he was like, okay, I've told all my high school stories. Sure. Like, I need to move on. I need to be more adult. I mean, at this point, he had kids. I think he was actually having marriage troubles at the time. Yeah. Um, well, he was pretty grumpy. He, yeah. John Hughes, uh, as proven in our Home Alone episode, is is not the greatest person alive. No. Well, look. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, to get to where you need to be to be a John Hughes or to be a Steven Spielberg or to be an Elon Musk or to be yeah. a whatever, yeah. you got to be a bit of an a-hole. You can't be that yeah. good of a person. I'm sorry. You got You have to have your vision, and you're doing it, and it doesn't matter if you screw somebody over. No. I mean, you're going to try yes. not to, but at the same time. Yeah, but I don't – I think the ones that make yeah. it for the most part, I'm sure that there's a few nice yeah. guys that slip through the cracks. <laughs> but yeah. I think the yeah. most people that make it will step over their friggin' mom to yeah. get – what they need. And once it's really showing and telling once somebody gets to the place where they are yeah. successful, right. how they deal with people is kind of who they are. You yes. Know, there's a lot of yes. a-holes that. Oh, a lot of people show their true know. colors when they got money and power. Oh, yeah. And, and it's just, it's gross. It's super gross. So the whole point is that planes, trains, and automobiles was kind of a, a new, it was a new era for John Hughes. And mm. so it was like, even though he had all these comedies and he did well, this was something different. And so I'm sure it probably put a lot more stress on him and had a lot of pressure of like, okay, I need to do this. I sure. need to make this movie and make it 
work and right. prove to people that I'm not just yes, the high that school I can guy. Make adult films. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Not like that. No, well, yes. <laughs> I mean, yes, adult films. So he actually had the idea. Uh, he had he had been traveling from New York to Chicago, and he actually was diverted to Wichita, Kansas, and it took him five extra days to get home. And oh, wow. So he based all this on true stories. Now, granted, I'm sure he did not take the transportation modes that he they, they did planes, in the movie. trains, and automobiles? Uh, I don't think With so. Dale Griffith? Is it Griffith? Griffith. Griffin? Griffith. Griffith? Dale Griffith. Dale Griffith. Del Griffith. Del. Del Griffith. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very 50s name. It's a very, I, I, I really like Del Griffith. Del is short for Delaware. Delaware. Delaware Griffith. Mm-hmm. He sells he's, he's things. He's uh, Indiana Jones' <laughs> lesser known partner. <laughs> That's fantastic. Delaware Griffith and Indiana so, Jones. John Hughes wrote the first draft of the screenplay in three days. Yeah, he's a fast, quick he would first average writing a first draft between three to five days, and then he would do upwards of 20-some rewrites over yeah. the course. Well, I mean, look, the three to five days is probably a bare bones, you know, 80 pages. Yeah. I mean, get, it's literally just yeah. spewing out exactly. the idea. Stream of then, consciousness, yeah, get all yeah. that crap out there, and then all of the – I don't think – I mean, there's a few things that I've done. A lot of – 23 revisions is a lot. That's you know? a lot, yeah. I've never done that, and it makes me feel like I do not do enough. <laughs> well – I think there's a happy medium between zero zero and 23, you know. (laughs) He rewrote the script during the entire course of the movie. He ended up shooting twice as much as as most people did on average, um, around 600,000 feet of film. Well, he kind of began – he was a a precursor to guys like Judd Apatow and uh, Seth Rogen and these guys that – just let roll, do a lot of improv improvisation, right, right. try a bunch of different things. Right, right. And, and then they have thousands of footage and then just cobble together a movie from whatever's the funniest. Yeah, yeah. And we'll and we'll get to that. But like it was it was interesting how I feel like a lot of it was that he just was unsure of himself. Like he I think when it came to him writing the high school stuff, like mm-hmm. he knew. He knew what he wanted to do, he knew what he wanted to say, and in this it was still just kind of open. Because I don't think he had done this kind of thing before with his previous movies. Well, with the high school stuff, when you're in high school, emotions are not complicated. That's very true. I mean, very it's true. complicated, but it's we're as high school kids, especially back in the day before yeah. all the social media and stuff, you know, right. people, emotion. you were angry, you were in love, <laughs> I hate you, you're the worst person in the world, I love you, I can't be without you. It was, it was, it's very... Visceral. It's very immediate. It's it's, it's not. It's much not closer a lot to black and white. Exactly. Than, yeah. This yeah. planes, trains, and automobiles. 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 Is more. There's a lot going on under the surface. Yes. Especially yes. with Dell Griffith. Right. Uh, well, and and with Neil. Like yeah, with Neil. But Neil, Neil doesn't have. Neil's going home to a perfect wife. His perfect children, right. his perfect grandparents, in his perfect house, with his perfect job. Okay. Neil has a stick up his ass, yeah. and Dell slowly pulls it right. out throughout right. the movie until at the end he can accept this stinky, big, gross guy <laughs> and invite him over for dinner because he, he can see beyond his plastic, fantastic suburban lifestyle. Yeah, it, it looks shiny and perfect on the outside. Dell, on yeah. the other hand, is a homeless, widowed... Sad sack of a man who's just the nicest, just pretending, just wants a friend, buddy. Yeah, just yeah. wants a buddy, and he, he does. He really wants a friend. Yeah, to, to be for whatever with. reason, yeah. he thinks that stick up his ass, Neil, yeah. is his best friend. So, 
that's why I say I don't think there's so much going on with Neil. He's more of the sure, character. Sure, sure. It's 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 about him relaxing. But but it, but the large crux of the movie is him realizing that he is the guy with the stick up his ass, and that sure. everything has to be perfect. But and here's it's really the thing: not. It, there's no effect on that with his family and his perfect children. The only thing is that he's late. Yeah, he's but late, not, and his it's... wife freaks out. Man, I have. <laughs> he came home for Thanksgiving. She's first of all. She's bawling her head off. They're she all making he was out. Dead. Oh my god! She didn't think he was dead. He called her all the time, saying, "I'm with this stinky foot guy." We're almost he tried, home. He tried calling, and then there was they were at the recital, and and she didn't get the call. Oh god, she's okay. He was Everybody's dead. Yes. He was dead. Yes, they all thought he was dead while she was watching TV alone in bed. Poor, poor lady. But here and you know they're sitting there making out and loving and hugging and crying. And poor old the, – the saddest thing like, about that movie is the last shot. The not. very last shot of that movie is Dell looking at this happy couple, just smoochity-boochity, reuniting so, in love. So, but then what? And then he's like, my wife's dead. Yeah, but then Life what? You literally can't change that fact. Sixteen minutes after that Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner, Dell Griffith committed suicide. <laughs> well <sighs> – <laughs> I think the, the, the whole point of in the in the realization that Neil has yes. is that he does have this perfect life and that it could go away at any time. Sure. You know? And sure. it's and it's appreciating what you have because you could end up like Dale Griffith wandering around without a home. So poor Dell is just a cautionary tale. Yes. This is all like no, a No, it's not a cautionary tale, it's all it like could a, be. Yeah, exactly. Neil grew up because so this, of Dell Griffith. So this is the Thanksgiving version of a Christmas carol. And Dale Griffith is the ghost of Thanksgiving all of future. Them. The ghost of all of them. <laughs> when Seabart eats his entire family. Yes. And uh and puts his the rest of his crap in a trunk and just goes around and just wanders, selling, just wanders and selling earrings that aren't earrings, selling uh, rings <laughs> for shower curtains. This is this is in case it's not obvious. This is one of my favorite movies of I all time. I love this movie. A hundred percent love this movie. It's one of Jim's favorite movies of all time, and but, and we love it so much. And it's just because we've seen it so many times that we're able have to have to, this. This is the fun of a movie that you love. Is you get to a point where you can lovingly pick apart the nonsense in it because it doesn't matter when you're watching it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I don't care. I don't I don't need Steve Martin to have I think if Steve Martin had some sort of, you know, giant uh, revelation or something, it would be stupid and cloying. It would be a Chris Columbus movie. Well, that's just it. That's what was exactly, and that was brilliant about it, is that he did have a I've revelation. Come around. But it was <laughs> but it was it was it was smuddle. It was smuddle. It, it was, was smutty. It was subtle and small, and like and that, and that's what made it work. Because the whole point is that Neil was not a big loud person. You and... know what though? Do you think, honestly, do you think that after this Thanksgiving, that think... Dell and Neil ever hung out again? I think Dell moved into their house. No, I think Dell. <laughs> Like called and wrote and stuff. Maybe maybe Neil, they... maybe Neil's wife had a lovely younger sister, and Dell and that wife got married, and he was happy. Why she got to be younger? She could have been older. Whatever, it doesn't know. matter. They just knew somebody. They hooked her up. They hooked Dell up with the seventy-year-old old lady who's next gonna door. Who's going to want to be with Dell? He's a sad sack, stinky foot, grosso. <laughs> he's a good dude. Mm, he's okay. He's still the except Neil's for credit stealing card, the credit except card for being a thief and a bore and boorish. But you know, here's the thing about. Here's a John Candy is one of the most likable human beings oh, yeah. that yeah. ever lived, and one of the most likable actors that ever graced the screen, and so filled with depth. And nobody, because I 
I believe that Candy was a pretty sad guy. Yes. Inside. Yes. There's a reason why he was a big dude. He was eating his feelings. And yes. There was a lot going on. So he's just a Canadian going, hey, you know, just get, get me some back bacon and uh, <laughs> some, so, some maples, you know. and uh, Some maple sausages. Uh, you know, some, some beers. And, uh, you know. That's, and we sit down and watch a little hockey. I, I don't know. But, again, Canadians aren't known for really expressing feelings. That's uh, why no. there's so many funny, no. incredibly funny Canadians. Oh, I'm sorry. Because they. I'm sorry. I'm Do sorry. they not express their feelings? I don't I'm know sorry. what that's about. I'm sorry. But. But but I think that's why there's so many amazing comedians from Canada. Yes, is because that sort of repression and pain. Yeah, is what makes the funniest people. Yeah, uh, yes, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. No, nobody growing up in a perfect household ever was the funniest guy. No, no, he wasn't. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and come back and talk about casting and filming. Hoopa! Hoopa! Oh, Quint's after me again. Hey, this is Hooper from Jaws, and I just want to say when we're out on the boat going after the Carcanian Carcasus or whatever it's called, we're always listening to our favorite show, The Gen X Files, now on Spotify. Hooper! New episodes every Friday. All celebrity voices are poorly impersonated. Casting! So those <laughs> two comedians that were very broken and uh, had had problems were Steve Martin and John Candy, as we talked about. Steve you know, Martin, I don't know if he was a really no, broken I don't, guy. I, no, I don't think so. He seems, I think he might be one of the happy, funny guys. Because he was like a kid working at, at uh, yeah, Knott's Berry yeah, Farm, doing yeah. magic, and playing the banjo, and doing Yeah, he was a very things. happy-go-lucky, yeah. His early stand-up, oh man, I... Got his tape. My sister, one Christmas, gave me her old shoebox tape recorder. Remember those things? It looks like yeah, a shoebox. Yeah, 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 yeah. Has a little microphone you plug yeah. in. Little handle you can carry it around. Do yeah. Little recordings. Do, do your interviews. She gave me that and a box of tapes. And the tape, and I was like seven maybe. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the box of tapes were Kiss Alive, which was awesome. Steve Martin, Wild and Crazy Guy. Nice. And then I think Asia Minor or something or in, oh, yeah, in, uh, yeah. in Kansas. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I listened to that, Steve. I wore that tape out. I oh, wore yeah. that tape out. A, because it had bad words in it. Right, and right. B, because it was the funniest damn thing I had ever heard. And from that day on, I, I, Steve Martin is my oh, absolute favorite. He's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. They, uh, he was actually originally wanted Tom Hanks for the part. I get it. Uh, but he couldn't because he was shooting big at the time. The thing about Tom Hanks in the role, I don't – what works so well yeah. is the quiet – seeing the quiet rage that yeah, Steve Martin yeah. does so well. The, the eye ticks and the yeah, – it's yeah. just so subtle. If it was, and when he does finally explode, it's it's usually it, there's that one way. Yeah, but but the the f bomb tirade, f bomb tirade is amazing. If it was Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks is more manic, and he's like very physical and very screaming. It would have been, especially back then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at this is pre drama Tom. Right, 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 right. Before Philadelphia. He was he was less of a straight man than Steve Martin for sure. Right. So like uh, yeah, and and uh, he did work with Candy on something, didn't he? Uh, a splash, splash. Yeah, they had yeah, a great yeah. chemistry. Yeah, they yeah, would have yeah. been great together. It would yeah. it would just it wouldn't have been as an, this is going to be weird, but I don't think it would have been <laughs> as an adult of a movie. 
Yeah, I agree. It would have been more slapstick. I think it was smarter for Hughes to go with Steve Martin for sure. Strangely enough, Steve Martin brought like a reality and a grounding to a, the film. a gravity to it. Yeah. yeah, like it was very. It was like, oh, this is a serious. Like but it's a the serious jerk drama. And the wild and crazy yeah. guy was the anchor keeping it in reality. Right. Right. Exactly. Just uh, Rick Moranis was also considered for the part. Again, would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. He, he yeah. would have been. He, it would well, have been different. A, he would have been amazing because the two those two guys worked on yeah. SCTV. Yes. And, you know, have been working together for years and years and years and have an amazing chemistry. Yes. And are hilarious together. And the visual of little Ricky Moranis and, <laughs> you know, big old John Candy. John Candy <laughs> I mean, the, the physical stuff would have just been hilarious, especially the stuff in the bed and everything. I mean, I could see I, – I would have liked to see both of those movies, but I think ultimately you're right – the best movie yes. was made. It was the best choice. was definitely Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Uh, so he actually was convinced to join the production after reading the script, and he favored two scenes, uh, the seat adjustment scene in the car and the F-word tirade at the car rental oh, desk. yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. As an actor, How could that you not? scene is the juiciest. <laughs> like, because there's so many ways to tackle that scene. Yeah. And I, tr- I bl- the, again— Nobody lights a fuse, and it's a long, <laughs> long fuse. But once that fuse hits the dynamite, yeah, it there's nobody better than Martin because he, <laughs> he comes out and, and and he also he gets through that whole thing, that whole you know your effing smile, yeah, yeah, effing days, and 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 eating a clerk. Oh, my oh, God. She's so brilliant. In Amazing. It. And must have been a good friend of Hughes because she was in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, an improviser. She, I think she started at the Groundlings. She yes. Was, she yes. was at the Groundlings. I was at the Groundlings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not with her, um, <laughs> unfortunately. But, uh, but yeah, so at the end of that scene, when she's like, well, do you have your rental agreement? And he's like, no, I threw it away. And she's like, oh, my goodness. He's like, what? You're apt. And it's like... He, it's not like he's mad at her anymore. It's just he's broken. Yeah. He, yeah, got, he, yeah. he does broken really well. They broke him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the start of his tirade to the, the end when she says that is literally exactly, exactly 60 seconds, and they managed to use the F word 18 times. It was a record for a while. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, in, and it probably the movie probably would have been PG or PG-13 if it wasn't for that one scene. Yeah, that's why I asked you, because, yeah. again, this is probably the Mandela effect that we talk about, ad nauseum. Right. But I thought that it was PG-13, and somehow they just let that slide in. But then listening to <laughs> no. it, I'm like, they're not going to let 18 F-words <laughs> slide into a no, PG no, movie. No. No, it was it was definitely rated R. So worth it, though. So worth oh, it. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm sure that's why John Hughes was like, no, we're keeping it. it yeah, is, but it I bet you that also hurt the box office. Because R-rated comedies Probably. are, yeah. at least back then, it was hard to, to unless it was like some teen sex comedy. Yeah. It was yeah. hard to get... Uh, Butts and seats for the yeah, moderated yeah. comedy. Yeah, they assume they had to appeal to the kids. Uh, John Candy uh, was not the original person they wanted for Del Griffith. It was actually John Travolta. Interesting. I don't know what that would have done. Um, John Travolta is a very funny guy. This is pre-Look Who's Talking. This is pre-Look yes. Who's Talking. So John Travolta's career was Dead yeah, in that fact, point. that's the reason yeah. that they that literally the studio execs told John Hughes that they could not cast him because he was considered box office. Poison. Oh yeah, he was dead, and then he came back and and redefined himself as a comedic actor. Yeah, uh, in the late eighties, nineties, and did well, and then yeah, career died off again, and then Quentin Tarantino and then, brought him back yeah, as a nostalgic whatever. Yeah, action here. I mean, the guy has had so 
Say what you will about Travolta, <laughs> but that guy has had so many different incarnations of a yeah. career. Yeah. Starting out as a sweat hog, yeah. Harry. Yeah. You know, this guy has done so much. He's a he's a good actor. Yeah. yeah. And I think he would have been an interesting choice. But I yeah, definitely again, don't would rather think see it would have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> John Goodman was also considered for the part. Excellent and choice. Same, same. Would have been great. He's still got the, he's got that great vulnerability. Yeah. He's got that great likability. Uh, I think he, he would have been a little yeah. too young-ish yeah. at that point. He would have had a very different career if he had been in that movie. Oh, yeah. Because um, that was about the time... Those around the time when Coen Roseanne Brothers. started. No, yeah, yeah well, Roseanne. Yeah. But I, I think, for me, my, my first realization of him was, was in Erasing Arizona. Right, right. Which was a, a, such a brilliant... Yeah. I can't wait to do that show. Yeah. That was such yeah. a brilliant movie and such a brilliant performance by him. And so, yeah, I could totally see it. But again... There's something about John Candy yeah. that is so vulnerable and just you want to help yeah. him. It doesn't matter if yeah. he's yeah. stinking up the place or, you know, his, he's just got this his, vibe that is so, yes. like, I want to help. I want to give you a hug, buddy. When when Neil freaks out at him and, and goes into uh, the, 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 whole, hotel room. the hotel room, yeah. which happened – Granted, I watch this movie every year, but I always forget how soon yeah. that scene happens. Yeah, you think it's more... Because uh, it's like 30 minutes into yeah. it, and he's just freaking out at him. Oh, he's just mean. It's just... But John, have a point. What are you telling a story? John Here's Candy's something. reactions to that, and the keep cutting back to it, and the slow crushing mm-hmm. is so brilliant. Some of the best acting I've ever I, seen. And then so his brilliant. reaction with, I, I, I like I like me. Yeah. Like, he's my just wife like, likes me. All right, me. well, you can be an asshole. My, that's my fine, customers but, like me. Yeah. You know, if you want to be mean, that's, oh. I'm an easy target. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then also, again, the look on Steve Martin's face when he realizes just how yes. over the line he went yes. with that. Yeah. You know, he... It's the beginning, I think, of him realizing that he's kind of a dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, 100%. 100%. Uh... Uh, prior to shooting, John Candy arrived with exercise equipment for him to use during production. Uh, Cruz installed a treadmill, bench press weights, and other exercise gear in his hotel suite. Uh, Steve Martin has gone on record saying that Candy never used any of it. Oh, of course not. It was because Candy wanted to get healthy. Yes. He wanted to. He always – yeah. you know, I read about this. He'd always have exercise equipment and have some yeah. sort of program that he was supposed to be doing and some sort of diet he was supposed to be on. But whatever demons he had, yeah, yeah, he liked his booze, he liked his food, he liked his smokes. So yeah, sad. yeah, it is. It really is. Uh, Steve Martin uh, talked in an interview about his uh, late co-star John Candy and his similarities with the character of Dell. Well, he was a very sweet guy, very sweet and complicated. And so he was always friendly, always outgoing and, you know, funny and nice and polite. But I could tell he had kind of a little broken heart inside of him. I think the the exercise equipment was just indicative of the fact that Hopeful. Yeah, he was hopeful, but he. I think he. This was time just I'm going to so do it. I'm going to do it this time. Much I'm going to do it. Broken than yeah. people realize. But it's and the same thing with addiction, man. It, you can't just will your way out of it. There's people that can switch stuff off and switch stuff on, and then there's people that just can't control it. And then the people that are switchers are like, "Well, come on, just stop." Yeah, yeah. But that's exactly. not how it works. No, it's a no. compulsion. It's a disease. Yeah. And unless you seek help, and back then, we were just kind of finding out that it was a disease. Right. As long as you showed up for work on time, you got your stuff done. We're coming from the days of like Richard Burton and uh, John Gil. I don't know if John Gilgood, but all these like British guys uh, who were just John, uh, uh, Oliver Reed. Yeah. You know these guys that were just world class drunks. 
Yeah. They would yeah. just drink all yeah. day, but they'd run between yell action. They're like, oh, he's one of the greatest actors in the world. And they right, cut. And right. like, so, you know, it was, a, it, was, it was something that was not frowned upon back then. As long as you did your work, you could do whatever the hell you right, wanted. Right. Cocaine, whatever. Yeah, as long as the you other way. had the performance. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, people started dying and, you know, things started changing. So just to touch on a few of the supporting cast, uh, like Edie McClurg, we talked about, as a car rental agent. I love her. She must have been a friend of his because she was in all She was. All she was. Uh, Great in Ferris Bueller. She was shooting uh, Ferris Bueller, actually, when John Hughes approached her and gave her a page of the script featuring the car rental scene. He asked her to read both parts out loud for him, which she did. And he took it back saying nothing. And then randomly a couple months later gets a phone call from him saying, hey, I have this job for you. Nice. <laughs> and so she went and did it. And he allowed her to improvise the whole monologue of oh, her yeah. being on the phone. There's nothing better than a good improviser improvising. Yeah. And she's so fun. I mean, that whole conversation the is whole so conversation real. so great. Well, yeah, what are you going to Well, I'm not a good cook. <laughs> you know I can't cook. <laughs> yeah, and she's just... And then Martin. And the finger. The one finger. Oh, yeah, without even really looking at him. Just the glance up. Oh, that's what, that's what snapped the... That's what snapped his back, man. His finger <laughs> was like the last straw. Yeah. Uh, McClurg says that even to this day, random people ask her to say that line to them. You're aft. Yeah. <laughs> Just randomly walk up to her and say, tell me, tell me. Yikes. Yeah. That'd be fun, though. It'd be fun to have people be like, tell me be, off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, Aubrey Plaza. People are like, be mean to me. Or, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's okay. okay. Uh, Dylan Baker is Owen, the, the guy who drove the truck. He was the son of the motel worker who gives them a ride in the back of the truck. Uh, this was actually Dylan Baker's first movie. The Dylan I... Baker, you if you don't know the name, you know <laughs> him. He He's a character actor that's in everything. He yeah. was in uh, Todd Solondz' Happiness as a... I, one of the creepy... It's uh, so funny because in Planes, Trains, yes. Automobiles, he is so weird and he's creepy. He's so like Appalachian, so you know, creepy and gross. Uh, it just... Everything else he's famous for, he's, he's like more and... Steve Martin, but just gross. But like this, yeah, uh. super snotty... Like a pedo- he plays a lot of pedophiles, yeah. he child murderers. To happiness, Poor guy. Is it's one like of the scariest yeah. movie. Trick or treat. He plays like that guy that, that oh, yeah. murders yeah. children. And yeah, it was a children that he killed, and he was burying yes, in his body, and his, so, and his yeah. son's like, I want to go. Uh, yeah, yeah. But he he is so great at playing straight up creepy, but yeah. straight up creepy. Like he's a very st- yeah. He does it in a the way hidden. that yeah. Oh my god, he's brilliant. A brilliant actor brilliant but i i just again weird (laughs) career and people probably like i wonder what they ask him to do when they come up to god no (laughs) i i had the unfortunate accident of going on a first date to see todd salon's happiness that's not it didn't it didn't last (laughs) yeah i'm sure you didn't get very lucky that night and if you did it would have been really weird (laughs) so john hughes was well known for uh trying to stage improvisational moments for his actors in order to capture a genuine reaction they were shooting it when dylan baker meets steve martin for the first time Mm -hmm. and and hughes wasn't getting what he wanted so we pulled baker aside and said before you shake his hand wipe all the spit out of your mouth and then shake his hand. And that is, it ended up being the take they used. And that is Steve Martin's reaction. Didn't know that he was going to slobber all over his hand and then shake it. Second greatest surprised reaction after Hans Gruber being (laughs) dropped at two instead of three. Oh yes. Yes. 100%. Dylan Baker, all those facial tics, all the stuff, all that was his own making. Brilliant. Uh, He was, Absolutely brilliant. Like, he had an opportunity, and he just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I mean, that shows why he made it, because that guy went for it. it yes. That could have been just a, 
you know, a very simple, easy, oh forgettable part. So and it's one of the crisp parts. Especially he was like, get out of there. <laughs> what thought, are you doing? Here's here's another thing that I, I totally thought mm-hmm. she was pregnant in the I movie. thought she was too. Yeah. I thought she was too. Yeah. And it's not. It's There's some other movie. There, you're thinking of uh, Christmas Vacation when she yes. comes out and she's pregnant. I thought the same it thing. Like, good, good thing. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, she, Lily Newcomb, the, who played his wife, she said it was so hard to keep a straight face oh because it was, he would do these, the, the snorting, yeah. it would go on for like 45 seconds and yeah. it was just like waiting for people to break. Well, that's the fine line and that's why you got to shoot it a lot because yeah. there's yeah. a fine line between hitting the beats and milking the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, if you go, it's just very, very <laughs> fine line. And if you hit the beats, then it's brilliant. But if you go over, then it's just over the top. And yeah. It's just too much. Annoying. Doing bit parts like that. Yeah. It it can either make or break. Or, I mean, it can either make a career. Yeah. Or it could just be nothing. Or it could be so annoying that you don't want to Right. See that Nobody wants anymore. to work with him again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael McKean played the uh, state trooper, the Wisconsin state trooper. Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin. Um, although he receives fourth billing, Michael McKean only appears in that one scene and is only on screen for about 90 seconds. But, but it was also probably contractually figured out. That he was going to be fourth billing before everything got cut. I'm I mean, sure. that stuff is I'm usually, sure. especially with bigger actors. I mean, 90% of the movie is the two leads. So it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, or at least 90% of the dialogue is the two leads. Uh, he he actually came out interviewed in the 90s and said that uh, originally, and this will this is all going to fold into how the movie was shot, but originally shot, uh, Dell's supposed to plead with him not to impound the car. And then, so he got to get Neil home for Thanksgiving, specifically mentioning home is Chicago, as well as having driven from St. Louis. The trooper informs them that they overshot Chicago about 100 miles and that they were now in Wisconsin, which is interesting because I thought that all the Wisconsin references had been removed, but you can very obviously see that he's a Wisconsin state trooper. Yeah. They, they actually had to go back and reshoot his scene because mm-hmm. they cut it down so much. Yeah. And they, they actually flew McKean back out to New York to reshoot the stuff they had originally shot in Illinois. And none of it matched. <laughs> it was just kind of like, okay, whatever. We're just going to go with it. But that's the that's the beauty of this kind of movie is you don't really notice it unless you no, watch it 16, no, 17 no. times. I've always said if people are paying attention to the mistakes, yeah. then you're not doing yeah, you're your not job. Yeah, you're not doing your job. Because there's always going to be mistakes, right. and people always look over them. I mean, the, the funny thing is us rewatching all of these things that we rewatched to mm-hmm. do these shows, things that I've seen so many times – now I, all I'm seeing are the mistakes, you know? <laughs> like when they're in the hotel room mm-hmm. drinking the little bottles. I was like, where did they get those little bottles? I, I, do, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know if they explained that. And no, he's like, what do you want? A tequila? And he hands, throws him a tequila, and then he's drinking a gin. Because he's got the, the – te- well, yeah, because he had tequila and Doritos. And then they cut back to him, and he's drinking, drinking gin. gin. Yeah. But that's, that happens all the time because the editor, you have to make these difficult decisions, and you always go with the performance. Well, this movie especially, because he shot so much – the, it must have been a nightmare to edit. The a nightmare. Editor, the editor has said that the original cut of the movie was three hours and 40 minutes long. Yeah. The last thing I want to mention is Troy Evans, who played the truck driver. Yeah. Who you, you literally see for half a second. And I totally recognize him. Yes. He was yes. on, I believe, ER yeah. for most of the seasons as one of the like aides or administrators yeah. Yeah. or something, a nurse or something. And then he was on Bosch as a cop for like right. six or seven seasons. Wow. wow. But he – and I just – he just kind of peeks. Yeah, yeah. For, he's like Groundhog Day. So just peeks briefly. for a second, yeah. and then that's all we see. He he was supposed to work for one day, but because of weather-related delays so awesome. during production, Hughes chose to keep him on standby, meaning he got paid for every day he waited. Yep. 
He waited so long that he was able to put a down payment on a house. Yeah. Well, back then you could buy a house for $1,500. Half of <laughs> a second of screen time. So awesome. You know he was calling up his wife and just being like, they're, they're keeping I'm me on, honey. <laughs> they're keeping me on. I think, I think we might be able to buy that house. I'm getting another $800. Don't jinx it, but I think we're going to be able to buy that house. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the filming. Like Zoinks, man. It's Shaggy. And Ruby Roo. And like when we're cruising around in the mystery machine, man, we're like always listening to the Gen X Files. <laughs> With Rim and Rattle. Now on Spotify. New episodes every Friday. All celebrity voices are poorly impersonated. Filming. So the film was uh, shot in 85 days, mostly in, in New York, uh, Batavia, and South Dayton. They they were originally trying to shoot in Illinois and ended up having to move to New York because it just wouldn't snow in Illinois. That is such a common story with any film that has snow in it. Is like yes. we waited and waited yes. and waited for snow. There was no snow. Hughes did so many rewrites that, that they shot so much more than they needed. Uh, over 600,000 feet of film. Uh, he's probably a little insecure. Like we were talking before, yes. there's a lot of insecurity. Yeah. He's doing a new thing. And and here's the here's what he was probably worried about. He makes this movie. It's a piece of crap. And they're just like, see? Hughes can only do kids' movies. Yeah. Don't know how to do yeah. adult movies. Go back to doing your thing. I think most guys like him kind of have yeah. something to prove. He kind of dominated the teen market, and he wants to move on because, you know, that's what these guys do. They conquer, and, yeah. and, and you know, they get bored and want to do something they, else. But sure, sure. People that worked in the movie talked about the shoot being very hellish because they were chasing snow all the time, and every time they'd show up, they'd have, like, a day, and then it'd melt. And yeah, then it'd be it's very done. stressful. John Hughes was super grumpy, and I... I he was going it, through some he, yeah, marital issues, some issues yeah. and there was some stuff happening. Uh, so there and was... he wasn't that cuddly a person to begin no, with. No, no. He was definitely definitely not a He looked like a little boy, but he <laughs> had the, the attitude of a mean old man. He was such a mean old man to the point that uh, future Star Trek Voyager star Jerry Ryan was actually cast as an extra in the bus scene. <laughs> That's awesome. But her part was cut because she kept laughing so loudly at the stuff they were saying. Well, she should have been cut. Because and an extra, keep, keep your mouth shut. John Hughes cut her out and then reshot the scenes without her. I'm on Hughes' side with this one. I'm sorry. Jerry Ryan 100%. is a 19-year-old. Yeah, you know, yeah. She's a great actress, a beautiful yeah. woman inside and out. But, yeah, 19-year-old cackling on the bus, especially <laughs> when you're trying to get stuff done. It's like, yeah, you're fired. Get out. So the original, according to editor Paul Hirsch, who is a – genius and absolute savior of this movie uh there was a three hour and 40 minute version of the movie although it's not in order uh he has all the pieces of it and he's not sure where he was like it would uh would take months years uh to to get it back together and nobody wants i want to see a three hour 40 minute version you know it'd be it'd it'd be interesting in a historical context or whatever but it's not going to be a good movie No, no 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 uh he and uh uh paul hirsch and john hughes edited down to two hours this version was actually test screened uh it was probably used to edit the trailers because there's a lot of stuff in the trailers that is not included in the movie that's typical yeah yeah it happens it happens all the time all the time where's that where was that scene (laughs) yeah the version that was two hours was cut down to an hour and 33 minutes which is what was theatrical released there are scenes that they cut out that they added into the tv version yeah to add for time uh and they have the footage so they said okay we're gonna do it um in the 80s and i believe part of the 90s there was this big thing about a new cut, new footage, all new footage for TV because people 
could rent the movie. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Before, all you had was the ABC Sunday movie. You right, had to wait right. for it to be on TV, edited. But now, with the competition, to get them to watch something on the networks, they had to offer a little something, something. But usually, uh, the scenes that they put in do nothing to make no, the movie no. better. As example, the, they were eating dinner on the plane, and a woman covers, she throws her hair back, and it covers Neil's brownie, and so he's disgusted and won't eat it. And so Dell just scarfs it down because he doesn't We care. saw enough examples I, yeah, of Dell being gross. Yes, Dell's yes. gross. John Hughes, we get it. He's a gross big dude. He's a big boar. Yeah. Neil's house was a set built from scratch, consisting of seven rooms and taking five months to complete. Ended up costing about $100,000 to build, which really angered the Paramount executives and caused turmoil on the set. Because... Well, why didn't he just use the house he always used? The one that he used for every other movie. Number one, were there seven rooms even shown in his house? Yes. There was like the kids' room. There was the dining room. Did they have to be? Nope. There didn't have to be (laughs) any rooms. They could have all been in the parlor of the house. And they could have used the. I think what they the reason why he did it is he wanted a house that stood out. Yeah. That what didn't have houses around it. Yeah. Kind of was like this beacon. It was. It was. You know. This is your castle. You're returning to your castle. Right. Right. (laughs) It's still. It's still a, a, a stupid indulgence. Yeah. 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 Uh, at the beginning of the movie, Neil Page races Kevin Bacon for the taxi. She's having a baby hadn't come out yet. Supposedly, it's also showing on television during the motel scene. Yeah. But the movie hadn't been released yet. It was like, his, That was like his second yeah, adult, yeah. you know, thing, dealing with childhood, which was a good movie. It was flawed, but I liked it. I love Kevin Bacon. Oh, yeah. Kevin Bacon's fantastic. And nothing better than 80s bacon, baby. <laughs> you know? It's just him jumping into the water on Friday the 13th. <sighs> Such a handsome man. And, oh, my God, you got you got Quicksilver. Oh, Quicksilver! It was that was part of that scene was was filmed to shoot to resemble Quicksilver of him, yeah, right, going down with the bikes. Yeah. Oh God, he's so yeah. great, so great. Diner, if you've never seen Diner, I don't think I. Oh have. my God, Diner! It's it's the only thing that Paul Reiser's ever done that I <laughs> that I like. But it's Paul Reiser. Not alien, alien. He was good okay. Alien. He was fine because okay. he was so. It was. It wasn't I hate him, okay, and he was no. so hateable in there. Like, <laughs> like it was it was fun to watch him get eaten because <laughs> I just wish he would get eaten. Um, no offense, Paul, if you're listening, but you're you're gross. You're like a, a low rent Seinfeld. But uh, uh, maybe he can't. Oh, he okay. I'll also give him creds for uh, Beverly Hills Cop. All right, Paul Reiser's fine. Just I hate <laughs> mad about you. I guess that's what it is. I don't it was like the mad about character you. mad about you. Yeah, uh, he's still. I don't like the Nebuchadnezzar comedy. It's got uh, a young. Daniel Stern. Oh. It's got a young Mickey Rourke. Oh. It's got a young Paul Reiser. Yeah. A young uh, Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Yeah. And uh, there's somebody else, too. But it's just this brilliant freaking movie. Who man. directed Directed by Barry Levinson. I think it was one of his first movies. It was part of his Bal- Balmer trilogy. Balmer? With uh, Tin Men, which is another great movie with Danny DeVito and Richard Dreyfus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was 87 as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm just, okay. yeah. So uh, check those movies out. Yeah, yeah, minutes. yeah. Barry Levinson, for sure. Uh, the exterior of the rental car was designed to resemble that of the Griswold station wagon totally. from uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. A lot uh, of little Easter eggs. Yeah, he did that on purpose, yeah. Uh, no transportation company wanted to appear inept or deficient in any way, so crews had to rent 20 miles of train track and refurbish old railroad car- cars, construct a set that looked like an airline terminal, design a rent car company logo and uniforms, and rent 250 cars for the rent-a-car sequence. Oh, good lord. Because Marathon was is not a real company. No. And 
Nobody wanted to be associated with company. That. It was. For I, a, a car rental company. When I talk about Mandela Effect, I thought it was a real company. Well, in addition to the whole car rental company that they made up, they had to make up a train company because no train wanted yeah. them to, to show a train yeah, breaking they, down. Yeah, the Contrac company, the train company, was a mixture of Conrail and Amtrak. Clever. Which, which they, they essentially rented the train, yep. repainted it, and it had four passenger cars on it. And that was it. And it went out in the middle of nowhere. And they broke it down. They mm. shot those scenes. And well, how could they? They left it there, right? Yes, it I, is. If it they hasn't rented it, how could they? I believe it. I, I think. It, I think the the train. I think the actual train got moved up to a yard oh. in, in upstate. But the New track York. is just still there. Yeah, the track is not there. the train. Yeah. Well, they rented the track, so I mean, it was it was one of those like. Well, what's still there? Is the train still there? The train is still there. So you can go party it on is, that train. It is in a. I believe in a train yard. But kids still saying contract dope and, and doing sex. And you can do all the the stuff you want to do that your oh, mom and dad won't let you. Yeah, <laughs> doing dope, doing dope, and having them sexes. <laughs> The Jersey guy's back. Oh yeah, Jersey. I'm gonna, it's, it's, well, it's Thanksgiving. Gotta, gotta give Thanksgiving yeah. for the Jersey guy. Give Thanksgiving for the awful character. Uh, Elton John almost had a song in the movie. Really? But two days before they were to record it, they literally completed him and uh, Gary Osborne. They were commissioned to compose the theme song for the film. They did it. They were about to record it, and they, at the last minute, Paramount Studios said, "No, it needs to become property of the studio." Paramount, and man. Polygram was like, yeah, nope, not doing that. So yeah. Elton John and Gary Osborne got kicked to the curb, and they never recorded the song. They wrote it, but they never recorded it. So stupid. It's so short-sighted. I so mean, it, it's not like the so movie dumb. suffered because it didn't have an Elton John song in it. No, no. But it, they could have had at least a little extra money for a soundtrack or something. Yeah, yeah. John Hughes, nice I mean, I owned a few of his. I had the She's Having a Baby soundtrack. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So such a sad soundtrack. <laughs> Instead, they opted to use Paul Young's "Every Time You Go Away" as the movie's theme Every song. Every time you go away, yeah, you take a piece of as me. As she just tears down her face because her oh. husband's alive. I think she's dead. sad because he's because he's alive because she wanted him to die because he's such has such a stick up his ass. Our, and she's been having sex with the guy three houses down. You can't see the house because they live in a. a middle of a farm field or something <laughs> but yeah she's like oh he's the whole thing that what you don't get in the three-hour cut yeah you find out that the entire situation has been masterminded and manipulated by his wife to kill neil and so she could be with her you know her that's why lover. she's so surprised yeah. when he shows up at the end and she's crying and she's like who's this dell guy you were supposed to die on the train dell was the hitman um, you find out because there's a scene. She's like, "You were supposed to kill him," but instead, he just becomes his best friend. Yeah, and he's like, "I couldn't help him. We just became buddies." This is actually the plot for Planes, Trains, and Automobiles Part Two. Yeah, throw Mama from the automobiles. <laughs> the movie ended up making about forty-nine and a half million dollars off of a thirty million dollar budget, so it, it, it didn't really, you know. Uh, Roger Ebert loved the movie. He says he watches it. Well, he said he watched it every Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, I it is I a great it every Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. It is. One of the things, along with the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special, that gets you in the mood, yeah. man. That's for me. It's those and, and Home Alone. You got you got your double feature. Yeah. You got your yeah. Home Alone and your planes, trains, and automobiles and throw in uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving in between, and you got a great night. Yeah. Have a yeah. potluck with your friends. Have them. You can eat uh, toast and jelly beans and parfaits. 
and tiny little liquor bottles and Dorito <laughs> chips. <laughs> Dorito chips. Oh my god, we're having this party, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I heard I'm in. I'm in totally in. <laughs> uh, the movie stayed in the top ten for seven weeks, so through the holiday season, it's a great way to start your holiday season. I, oh, I would yeah. say just watching it again a couple days ago, like I, I'm like, oh man, I'm really now more in the holiday mood. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it doesn't. There's not a lot of allusion to thanksgiving it's mostly just no, these guys it's just him trying to get yeah, back it's for so it. weird yeah. that you know it's a thanksgiving movie where there's really no thanksgiving yeah <laughs> you don't see that they don't sit down at the no. table at the end no, and have no, this no. beautiful thanksgiving it, dinner that she's been cooking it ends with del considering ends, murdering it's, everyone it's and it ends with del you could see in his eyes it ends the second after he makes the decision to commit suicide <laughs> you realize <laughs> that uncle buck ends the exact same way well, it's a freeze frame of him with that slight smile. Yeah, another sad sack. Yeah. He's he's out of the family now, so yep. Uncle Buck's going to kill himself. Shortly after John Candy died, John Hughes stopped directing movies. Oh, wow. Like, they, they, they think that Vince Vaughn is convinced that part of the reason he's not making movies is because... John Candy died. John Candy was his kind of his good luck charm. He was yeah. a good friend, and like you know. Yeah, no, I get it. I, it, it was just one of those like, uh, and he and at that point, I mean, I think his last movie director was like ninety four, so it wasn't that long after this. No, no, I think wasn't his last thing Dutch or was it I Dutch? I think so. I think so. With Ed O'Neill and Ethan Embry. Yeah. Who was it? Ethan Embry had a different name back then. It was uh, John Hancock. No, but it's true that he had a different name back then. Um, Ethan Wembry. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> It's because he was under the witness protection program. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, which, which I think is another, is, is that a Christmas movie? Is Because I know it's Ed O'Neill is like the stepdad or the time. boyfriend who goes to pick up Ethan Embry from military school and bring him home for yeah. a holiday. Yeah. And then, you know, shenanigans ensue. I'm pretty sure Ethan Christmas. Embry doesn't like Ed O'Neill. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's probably Christmas break. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, there is a possible remake happening with Will Smith and Kevin Hart. No, no. As long as Will Smith no. plays the John Candy part. <laughs> no, no, no. I a hundred percent agree. No, no. Make a this different is, movie. This make is your something own movie. You can make a Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, it's you can been make a in road talks movie. for a long time. So I don't Keep think talking. it's ever going to happen. Keep talking. Don't, don't start walking, baby, because no, I do no. not want to see. Hold on. Here it goes. <laughs> hey, came from Smith this century. Oh, it's oh. current Ramadan. Wait, so did they end up making the movie? That's why I came back. No. No. Everybody listened finally and was like, we're not making this piece of, piece of poo for you. <laughs> so I just want to let you guys, I want to ease your minds. Okay. And your hands and yeah. let you know it ain't going to happen. I'm going to get back to 25th century. Right. Bucks in some trouble and All Tweaky right. is being a little pill. <laughs> Well, thanks. Have fun. Thanks. It's always great when she comes. It's so nice for her to pop in. And it's good to know that we didn't have to suffer through. I think part of the reason that this didn't happen, because I think it was coming about the time when Kevin Hart had all those tweets and stuff that came out. And, it, well, and I mean, that, that didn't affect anything. He's still making tons yeah, of movies. I know. But, yeah. uh, but I think it was one of those, it was like a moment like, oh, okay, we're going to put this on the back burner. And that was it. Yeah, or it could have just been something that people were floating. Because it's, 100%. It's I, not, I get it. Okay. Sure. It's a good movie, and I, I understand. But I don't I don't need to it's see it. It's not necessary. No. It is unnecessary, Hollywood. Stop. No, and these are two great funny actors in yep. their own right. That could easily do anything. Yes. You know, make they don't it have to something do this. else. Yeah. You could do a buddy movie. You could do a, tr- a travel movie. You could even do a movie where two mismatched guys have to get someplace home together. You just don't have to remake the damn movie. No, no. Uh... 
I would uh, very much put Planes, Trains, and Automobiles into my category of a perfect movie. Yeah. Uh, despite there being obviously issues and things. Of course. But it is a perfect movie. There is nothing I would change about it. There is nothing. Everything is done so well. Yeah. And it's it's really sweet. <laughs> I saw. I was just thinking about him getting picked up by his nuts. <laughs> just, oh my <laughs> god! And then, we, and then <laughs> just the look on Steve Martin's face. <laughs> you know, after the nuts thing, and the way he's just dabbing at his face with that look. It looks like his nuts hurt, man. Like, I, my nuts hurt looking at his face. He is such a great physical actor. He's fantastic. And what I love about this is this is kind of one of the f- first movies where he was more constrained. Because he was yes. in The Jerk. He was the big guy. All of his movies before that were just him being... It, he was the wild and crazy guy. Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. was his persona. Yeah. Like, and yeah. for him to be the quiet reserve. And then after that, everybody was like, well, <laughs> oh, he's the quiet reserve guy now. <laughs> you've pitching told yeah. yourself this is exactly. it. Exactly. You know, he is just I, I, every movie I can think of. The Jerk. Uh, Three Man Amigos. With, Man with Two Brains. Man with Two Brains. Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, uh, which is a criminally underrated yeah, movie. Yeah. Criminally underrated. That guy, even going to like uh, Father of the Bride. Yeah. Parenthood and. Parenthood. Yeah. yeah. Look, I watched uh, Only Murderers in the Building, yeah. the, the Hulu show with, yeah. with him and, and uh, uh, Martin Short, Martin which Short, I, yeah. they are gold together. Brilliant. They are gold. And uh, even now, he's got to be in his 70s, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's doing physical comedy, rolling around on the floor, you know, doing stuff. It It is just yeah. as brilliant as when he was a kid. And that guy just is... It's he's magic, man. He is. He's magic. He is. It's so Absolutely. rare to have somebody that can be so consistently funny and so good for so long. Yeah, and not yeah. just become a jerk or a curmudgeon or yeah, yeah, or, become or a turn Chevy out Chase. like Chevy Chase. Yeah. I was just gonna say, <laughs> it's just it's a, it's remarkable, and he's a remarkable actor. Hundred percent amazing in this movie, and it did. Uh, I think and, it did change yeah. the tra- trajectory of his career. I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, him and in John Candy, way. man. Yeah, yeah. No, no, totally, totally. It was a good second act for him, and 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 I. And John Candy was so great. He was taken too soon. It was Candy again because we talked about this with the Home Alone show. He was just starting to do some really interesting yeah. new stuff like yeah. the JFK. I and, mean, this yeah. this was incredible. Yeah. He was absolutely incredible. It was a tour this. de force. A tour de force. Tour de force. It's a tour de force performance because both these guys. There's there's a whole other movie bristling under the surface. Yes. With these two characters. Yes. And you watch it again, it's completely, you telegraph that his wife is dead. But yeah, when the first time you, you see you don't pay yeah. attention. Yeah, because yeah, he never calls her. He never, you know, there's even, all. Even the line, like he'll say a line and then and then he kind of backs up on it. Yeah, and, and the like, way he looks at the picture. Well, I haven't been home in years. Well, you know, like I travel. I, I just a yeah. figure of speech. Yeah. Yeah, he said it really gruffly. Yeah. It's just so well done. Because the fact the fact that it is a character plot twist or a character twist mm-hmm. is just fascinating and, yeah, and, and works so well. And great characters, two great characters. Yeah. I mean, it's a character actor movie, really. Yeah, yeah no, hundred percent. It's got slapstick and it's got over the top crazy stuff, but it's everything could, except for maybe the nut grab and the voice change, everything basically could have happened. Yes, yes. It is outlandish and outrageous. As yeah, it, it, it yeah. is. It was a very real. Very real comedy. Couldn't well, make the movie today because you couldn't be running through security. You couldn't, you know, it's like. No, no. You'd it'd have be cell very phones. Yeah, have very it. different. That's why it's like, leave it alone. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's a product of its time. Yeah. And it worked. And they kind of did this movie again with uh, 
Zach Galifianakis. Uh, and, due date. Yeah, due yeah. date, which With, is uh, basically Robert the same Jr. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Essentially you know, the same uptight movie. guy, weirdo. Yeah. Getting across, become best buddies. Yeah. But, you know, instead of Thanksgiving, it's a baby. So <laughs> you could do it yeah. if you want. Just make it about them having to make it to a concert or something. I don't know, whatever it is. We already did that with Get to the Greek. But yeah, <laughs> okay, okay. What can they do? What can what can the Will Smith, uh, Kevin Hart I think version they need of this? To, I think we need to work Arbor Day into it and have them they planting a tree. Need to get, they need to get to a funeral. I think that would be the thing. Because then you'd have, then you have like dealing with like, like I think, okay, here's how I would do the Kevin Hart, uh, Will Smith movie. Will Smith is a very uptight uh, business guy, had a horrible relationship with his father. His father dies. He's got to go to the funeral. Doesn't want to go. Wife's like, you got to go. But I can't go because I got a new baby. So he's got to go on his own. Meets up with Kevin Hart. They go through all this crap to get there. Realizes, you know, yeah. gets more understanding about his dad. And, <laughs> you know, they become friends. He becomes less upset. I just gave that. I gave Write you it. a movie Write better it. than your yeah. planes, trains, and automobiles. I've given you gold every week, Hollywood, for free. <laughs> All right. Just take it. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for today. So no more free ideas <laughs> to give away to Hollywood. Last thought, Planes, Trains, Automobiles, amazing movie. Like, I, like we said. 100%. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Advise some friends over. Rent watch it. this. Yeah. Watch Home Alone. Yeah. And pop in a little Snoopy in between. Make a, make a Snoopy sandwich <laughs> with, 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 with Hughes bread. With John yeah. Hughes bread and a Snoopy sandwich. And uh, and you're gonna have a great time. And we'll see you next week for a little uh, for the step day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and I don't think not, and I, I don't think Elton John actually almost was had a song in the we'll movie. Say that again. Yeah. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, The Bionic Woman, already in progress. <laughs>